everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Phobia Friday. This is a short little mini-series of the FearCast, which is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and uh, the treatment of those things and getting your life back. Phobia Friday is the, um, uh, it's the, it's the little brother, little sister of that podcast that uh, just talks about a very specific thing in a very broad way way or very broad, doesn't matter. We're talking about phobias, everybody. So phobias are going to be uh, uh, things that we can be afraid of. It's going to be a specific diagnosis. It's it's uh, it's often called specific phobia or, or simple phobias, I think how they used to refer to it. Um, but phobias are things that you and I are afraid of. And there's going to be a big difference between a fear and a phobia that we're going to be going into just very briefly before we get into the subject. But first, I just want to thank everybody for joining me for this. So this is a uh, I, as I mentioned, a short little series that I just thought would be super fun to do. I've been wanting to do this for a while to talk about uh, phobias uh, and maybe some phobias that perhaps you haven't heard of because we've all heard of, uh, you know, arachnophobia, which is spiders, and we've heard of, you know, fear of heights and stuff like that. But um, some of the other phobias perhaps that you are, are not uh, familiar with or, or are not being talked about very often. So we are going to try to put uh, I, or bring some of these to light for some of you folks who may be experiencing some of these. Uh, and you may hear one of these podcasts and discover, man, I've got that thing. I've got that. And uh, if that's the case, know that you aren't the only person and that there is help for it. There's treatment for it. So so today we're going to be going over something called compoundophobia. That is the fear of buttons. Compa- I, I believe it's pronounced compoundophobia. Um, you obviously will see on the, the the title of this podcast the the name of it or how it is spelled. Um, it looks it looks like a Hawaiian word. Um, it's got a lot of letters in it. It's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, and it starts with a K. Um, that's my stereotype. I don't know. That's what I'm going with. So it's the fear of buttons, everybody. So very first and foremost, let's talk about fear versus phobia. So fear is going to be the unpleasant emotions caused by the perception of danger. Now, phobia then is going to be the excessive and persistent fear of objects or situations that may or may not be actual threats. So again, sufferers are going to respond to phobias with excessive attention, energy, action, and avoidance. And the key here is going to be the excessive. So as I mentioned, we're talking about the fear of buttons. And some of you out there, I know what you're going, buttons? Really? The fear of buttons? Really, man? Yes, the fear of buttons. That's the fun part about phobia is that fears are only limited by our human imagination. And you and I can imagine a lot of things and experience a lot of things. Man, you can be afraid of anything because the brain is very scary and sad and fun and exciting and unpredictable place. So fear of buttons. Here we go. So, um, so I, I did a little bit of research on this, and I've spoken with some people who have compoundophobia, watched some videos of it. There's going to be some okay information out there. There's going to be some awful information out there, and I'll talk about those. But um, but from the research I found, I, I kind of found that there are three different categories that generally this fear falls into. One is going to be the fear of harm. The other is going to be germs, and the other is going to be this just ambiguous sense of disgust. So, for the fear of harm, it's this fear of harming oneself um, on a button or because of a button. So, kind of the button phobia is going to be related to that intrusive thought about potentially swallowing a button, choking on a button, getting cut or hurt by one, um, or you know, get, getting it stuck in a body part of some type. 
I'll mention this later, but I'll mention it here too. Uh, This can certainly be triggered by having a traumatic experience with buttons uh, at some point in your life, oftentimes when you're younger. Um, Sometimes when we have traumatic experiences or, or rough experiences with something, our brain just immediately just clicks onto it and goes, that's dangerous. Avoid that thing. That's bad. So... Unfortunately, traumatic experiences can cause this. Cause this. So, um, so harming oneself is certainly one concern that people can have. So germs. So this phobia can also be focused on the effect of the button. So, for example, so whether or not that button's dirty, and what that you know who touched it with their you know, dirty, gross, grubby hands, and what's going to happen, and or you know the things that I touched, I'm going to touch my buttons, and then if I touch that button, it's going to somehow get on me. And buttons are just the epicenter of all things gross because you know. Dirty, gross COVID people touch buttons, and now you're going to touch the button. Anyways, you get you get the idea. Um, so, lastly, this ambiguous sense of disgust. So, this can simply just be disgusted that the feeling related to buttons, rather than like an explicit story that your brain gives you about harm or contamination or infection. Um, It's just this kind of just general icky, yucky grossness that we sometimes will get. Uh, One article I came across kind of talked about the texture or the thought of the texture can bring on this feeling. Um, And then again, this can also be associated with sensory integration issues. I believe we've talked about this on uh, one of the FearCast episodes in the past. Um, But just uh, there, there can be this you know, the, the feel of things can throw people off. So the feel of wood buttons or plastic buttons or rough buttons or metal buttons, all those things can definitely um, uh, uh, spark some people's, you know, icky, yucky feelings uh, in relation to it. And that that can certainly um, uh, uh, supercharge this uh, this fear. So what, what can trigger this? Well, I'll just say first and foremost, the word button just the word button can freak people out. So unfortunately, everybody out there, if you have compoundophobia, you've heard me say button a bajillion times already. And unfortunately, I'm going to say it a lot more today. So so buckle up, right? Um, I should say then trigger warning. I don't know. But um, so I'm going to say button a lot. So the word itself can be triggering to people. Um, certainly wearing buttons or even just viewing buttons. So seeing buttons can be uh, uh, triggering to them. And as I mentioned before, the, the specific texture can can throw people off. Um, so the, all of those things. And again, the, the, the ideas of buttons, so the intrusive thoughts about buttons or the intrusive thoughts about choking or getting them caught or seeing, you know, if it's, if it's a concern about getting a button caught in one's ear or nose or various other places, seeing an ear or nose or various other places can also bring on the association of the fear. So that, that can absolutely be the trigger. Now again, so what causes this? Traumatic events when one's younger. So getting a button caught in your throat, being hurt or cut by a button can absolutely start it. Learned experiences from others who are who are afraid of buttons can cause this. So for example, if you had a family member, mom, dad, sibling, whoever, and they had compoundophobia, Sometimes phobias are learned that our brain kind of goes, oh, that person's afraid of this. Well, maybe that thing's bad. Maybe I ought to avoid that thing because, well, they're afraid of it. I, you know, they're a reasonable person or they're someone I trust. So maybe they uh, are onto something. So we sometimes take that on for ourselves. Ridicule from others over not being able to fasten buttons, that can turn it into a phobia. Um in some of the reading, I found that some people had cited that that being made fun of for not being able to fasten buttons correctly had had in a generalized way or in a in a in the generalized process uh, had taken that on later down the line as, as a phobia. 
Another can be an association with abuse and someone who wore buttons or had buttons on. So this is kind of a vicarious, um, a, a vicarious harm or, or, or vicarious fear where you know, if they experienced um, phobias, our brain can sometimes generalize things about our or a traumatic event, and we take that on for ourselves. So if someone uh, went through an abusive situation or a traumatic situation, and there were buttons surrounding that or, or related to it or on that person or etc., that that can be related to it. I also found this is that some people cited that specifically the movie Coraline and its association with creepy characters um, caused their caused their compatophobia. Um, and again, this would be that more learned association um, where it, it, it's in, in that movie. If you haven't seen Coraline, um, the buttons are used a lot, and uh, or the, the images of buttons are, are, are a theme throughout it, and they're, they're, they are associated with the creepy or scary or bad characters in this kind of bizarro land um, or bizarro world rather um, and um, I guess it'd be an alternative universe I don't need to cite the the Superman bizarro land or bizarro world it doesn't matter I'm just being nerdy now all right so those are some of the causes that uh, that, that can bring on um, compatophobia so Obviously, the impact on someone's life can be pretty pervasive. It can it can certainly limit one's choices in in the clothing that they wear, or the use of typical objects. So, if something has buttons on it, they just they're just going to say, "No, that's that that's not for me." So, while limiting one's choices can can certainly be, or limiting one's clothing choices can be, to a certain degree, a, a minor impact in your life because you know we we can get on with life without buttons, but it can also, in a more severe way, it can it can certainly influence and in the or, or or have significant limitations on the way that we interact with the world around us. I mean, think of all the things around you that have buttons or have button-shaped things on them. It's a lot. Once you start to think about it, you start to notice it. And, you know, it's not the end of the world that we start to notice it through, you know, I'm priming you to think about it, but there are things that have buttons on it, right? So there are going to be avoidance of, it can expand then to avoidance of clothing stores, avoidance of others wearing buttons, um, maybe adjusting our clothing to avoid the use of uh, or contact with buttons, as I mentioned. So throwing out extra buttons. So sometimes you notice that when you buy clothing, um, uh, like button down shirts or, you know, various things like that, they'll come with a little baggie with little extra buttons in it. So some folks will throw those buttons away because the the shirt that you have has the buttons firmly attached to them, right? But these rogue buttons, well, they could cause a problem and somehow get in your food or in your ear or, you know, various other things. Another impact that uh, compoundophobia can have in your life is it, it can influence this hyper-awareness that one has about eating, and it can influence, therefore, your eating habits. Um, in some instances, so reviewing your food, like really looking at your food, examining it, sifting through it to make sure there, there isn't a rogue button that found its way in there. Some folks will give into checking one's mouth or, or throat, uh, either physically checking it or just kind of like mentally reviewing the feelings one has, just to you know, see if there's a button in there, just to see if something could be in there or crawled its way in there somehow, just to uh, avoid the potential for choking. Uh, uh, lastly, hyper awareness of one's surroundings, just to avoid buttons. So, th you know, this this excessive attention on things around us, inside of us, ultimately is pulling our attention away from the life that we want to have. So. These are just a number of different ways that compatophobia can impact one's life. 
Another interesting thing that can happen, and this can happen with all sorts of phobias, the overextension or the, or the, the extended fear of this. And this is when we start to take a fear or, or a worry that we have about one thing, and then it kind of expands out a little bit to just things that kind of look like that or tangentially look like that or are vaguely associated with that. So it's not the fear of the thing, it's the fear of the things that look like that thing. So in this instance, it can be, it can be coins. It can be uh, washers, like think of like a, a, a bolts and washers and nuts and washers, things like that. They're, they're you know, low round metal objects, right? They kind of look like buttons, so they can extend to that. It can extend to um, it can extend to other small small little round items that just or small items itself that just kind of vaguely look like buttons. So when we're talking about phobias specifically here, we're talking about compoundophobia. We're we're talking about it could be it could almost be anything. So we can see how this can very quickly expand to a lot of things in one's life and can impact a lot of things. Um, I, I found this kind of interesting, and I, and I don't know how much how, how this is verified or if this is verified, but um, apparently it is speculated that Steve Jobs of, uh, of Apple Computer's fame um, that is speculated that, that he had compoundophobia. Now, I'm going to say speculated because he didn't really say that he had compoundophobia or fear of buttons, but he apparently said in a, in a 2007 interview um, that, uh, uh, that he insisted that the iPhone would not have buttons and that uh, I, I, he was trying to get rid of all the buttons on things. And, you know, every phone in 2007, I know this is a billion years ago, they all had buttons on it, physical things that you pressed. And he was insistent the buttons were, were, were not a thing and should be off the phone. So it is speculated that he had it. Again, I'm not, you did not hear that from me. I'm not going to verify that, but... Um, I thought that was an interesting um, story. All right. So, everybody, this is going to be the biggest question with all sorts of phobias is what can we do about it? So, as you know, I'm a behaviorist, so I'm going to be focusing on CBT, ERP, mindfulness. So, cognitive behavioral therapy are things that we can absolutely do. It's going to be the general approach to this. It's, think about this. So, CBT, cognitive behavioral. The first is going to be challenging the way that we think about things. And if we can think about the world differently, perhaps we can act differently in response to it. So the first thing is that's going to be really important if you have a fear of buttons, spending some time just trying to challenge the likelihood that you're going to swallow, inhale, or ingest a button in any sort of way. So spending some time to bring in, wrangle in that rational mindset as best you possibly can to think about how, how likely is it that I'm going to do this? I mean, how many buttons have you swallowed in the past? How many buttons have you accidentally got, you know, shoved up your nose or in your eyelid or various other places? It's unlikely. Maybe it's happened that one time, but it doesn't routinely happen. But it could. And that's part of the problem is that because it could, we could swallow a button or, an, or inhale a button. Our brain goes, man, that sounds terrible. So let's do everything we can to not do that. Now, I, what I also want you to do if you have this fear is to review the impact it would have on you. And if you were to do it, what could you do to manage the effect of swallowing or eating or ingesting a button? So are there things that you could do? Let's say the worst case scenario happened. Could you deal with it? What would be the typical, rational, reasonable process if that were to happen? Now, 
to a certain degree, if this mental process goes on and on, it can be seen as compulsive and excessive and ultimately unhelpful. But it can also be helpful to create a firm grounding to recognize that, man, if my worst case scenario actually did happen, here are the things that one can reasonably do about it, and here are the things that I, as a reasonable person, could do about it. So, those will be some ways that you can first start to just challenge the legitimacy of this thought. Now, secondly, we can talk about mindfulness. Now, my definition for mindfulness is, is just really simple. It is being accepting and acknowledging of everything that is currently in this moment in a non-judgmental fashion. And that is acknowledging the, the things that we see, feel, think, are experiencing in some sort of way, and acknowledging the fact that, that that is happening or those things are around us or on us or in us, without saying that that thing is then good or bad or then speculating in a factual manner about like what is going to happen or the quality of it, right? Because we can say, it's cold. It is cold. It's cold in my office right now. It's winter. It's esque. It's, it's Southern California winter. Southern California winter is like, oh no, it's 60 degrees Fahrenheit we're all going to die. Quick, get the Uggs out. So that's what I'm complaining about right now. Everyone who's in like Montana where it's like negative 40 Celsius, you can just roll your eyes at me. I'm totally fine with that. Like Southern Californians, man, we complain about four, like 40 positive, like, like 40 above zero. And we complain about that. So negative 40, it just oh, it sounds awful. Anyways, I'm not here to complain about weather, though I've just spent a bunch of time doing that. All right, so mindfulness. So mindfulness is just being present with what's happening. So we can practice allowing, practice the allowance of that anxiety and the fear in our life. Saying that, okay, I can have this anxiety because the fear of swallowing a button or the fear related to swallowing a button is not the same as swallowing a button, right? So can I make space for that? Can I say, all right, brain and body, that this is something that, yes, makes me feel physically uncomfortable and emotionally uncomfortable, but that's not the same as my fear, that story my brain's telling me actually happening. So can I tolerate that feeling? So what we're doing through mindfulness is learning to sit with that bodily sensation of anxiety without running from it or doing any unneeded compulsions, so any unneeded behaviors that are going to try to undermine, neutralize, get rid of, eradicate that bad feeling, but instead saying, okay, I feel uncomfortable, but you know what? Okay, I'm uncomfortable and I can deal with this. I can learn to live with and sit with the moment of anxiety as it moves through my body and eventually moves out of this moment. Because as you've heard me say before, you can be confident that that feeling is going to go away because it always does because it comes back. It coming back and you going, oh my gosh, I'm all of a sudden so anxious is evidence that it at one point went away. So, we're not trying to forcefully get that feeling out, but to just gently let that feeling go in its own time because it will. Now, the way that we practice this and put ourselves in that situation is through exposure treatment. So that's where exposure and response prevention comes in. So there are a ton of things that you can do ultimately to bring on this feeling of anxiety, this nervousness. So exposure and response prevention, think about it as this. It's progressively getting closer and closer to that thing that you are afraid of without doing anything that would help you avoid the fear, avoid the feeling, undermine, get rid of it, 
and experiencing that feeling. What your body is going to do is slowly get used to that experience. And your brain and your body are going to eventually go, oh, this is what we do now. We use buttons. Oh, we can do this. We can fe- we can use buttons. It does that eventually. And we start small, start very small. And we can start simply by saying the word, just saying the word button, button. Try saying that. Say that a hundred times in a row. Say that a thousand times during the course of the day. At some point, your brain is going to go, I can say this word, and we will progressively start disconnecting that story from that word, and we'll see it as just that, a word. You can move up to then just drawing a picture of it. Then you can move up to drawing pictures, or excuse me, looking up pictures online of it. Moving past that, once you see pictures online, watch videos of buttons online. Now, by the way, this actually, uh, this is the thing that bugged me about um, looking up compoundophobia. So there, there are some videos of people talking about it, um, about their experience with it and things like that. There's one video that came up really quick, and it's a woman who's talking about compoundophobia, and like she's she seemed really earnest really early on. All right, everybody, here's, you know, here's what compoundophobia is. She defined it correctly. And then she said... So here's what we can do with it. We can take those little buttons. This is the person that was talking about the buttons that came with the clothing. You're going to take those buttons and you're going to put them into a baggie. And you're going to take that little baggie and you're going to put them into a box. You put that box and you put that away. What she's ultimately talking about is organization, not the fear related to it. She's talking about organization and the discomfort that somebody might have with these rogue buttons that are just all over the place. Being afraid of buttons being um, misorganized or miscategorized or not in a centralized place or just being, you know, strewn about, that is not compoundophobia, everybody. That is, it could be OCPD, Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder. Um, It it could be a lot of things, right? But that in and of itself is not compoundophobia. So that is my soapbox. I'm done being annoyed with this person publicly. So we're going to move on. So the next thing you can do is scripting. So scripting is going to be writing a story about the worst case scenario happening to you. And you write it in first person and in present tense. And there are a lot of other ways that you can do scripts. But it basically is a story that you write about the worst thing. So it might be writing a story about you swallowing buttons with disastrous effects. It might be about you, you know, going and eating a hamburger and all of a sudden <gasps> a button pops in and you inhale a button. It gets down into your lungs and it starts clogging your 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 windpipe or it starts clogging, you know, it gets caught in one of the lobes and it takes a whole bunch of surgery to get it out or it just feels painful or something to that effect. What is the worst thing for you? Write it out. Lean into that and sit with that feeling and just go, yeah, this sucks. This thought sucks. But you know what? The thought of inhaling a button, it's not the same as actually inhaling or swallowing or ingesting a button. So another thing you do, you can watch a movie. So watch movies and really focus on the the buttons that people wear. Um, Specifically, as I mentioned before, watch Coraline. Now, Coraline might be a higher level exposure for some people because it's really direct and really used in a a, um, fearful manner. So be sensitive with yourself in this progressive fashion. You can work up to wearing buttons. Now, you might already be wearing buttons, but you can make a point to wear the buttons and maybe feel the button, notice the texture of it. So again, start small and move up. If you are someone who at this point does not wear buttons at all, 
start with something that's a small button or start with something that is a big button that is hard to swallow or ingest or get stuck someplace. So it may be for you, the bigger the button, the problem. Maybe for you, the smaller the button, the problem. The bigger, the smaller the button, the bigger the problem. You get the idea. So think about that for yourself as you keep moving up. You can also keep loose buttons in your pocket. So remember all those buttons we keep talking about? Keep a couple in your pocket. Put your hand in there. Move them around a little bit. Feel what they're like. You can leave buttons around the house, leave them on your desk, leave them in your room, leave them um, in the kitchen all over the place, right? Because the possibility that you might put one in and ingest it, suck it in, something like that, that's a that would be a great sort of passive exposure or an environmental exposure where you create an environment in which you cannot escape your fear. So that would be a fun one to do. I'm just going to do two more. Um, so putting pictures of buttons around, again, that's kind of an environmental exposure. Uh, so that would be a great, a great thing to do. So lastly, this is kind of a higher end exposure. This would be actually, once you do all those things and you start getting more comfortable around buttons and you're tolerating those thoughts and you're resisting the urge to get to like run, but staying in that feeling for longer periods of time, you can take a button and you can put a button in your mouth while you're breathing. You can put a button in your mouth while you're also chewing on real food. This is going to get tricky, and that involves some kind of mouth dexterity, I suppose. But you can have a button close to your mouth while you're breathing or eating. So lastly, you can then hold that hold a button in your mouth for an increasingly long periods of time. So maybe it's just going to be, you know, for two seconds, you're going to put it in your mouth and pop it out. And then you're going to try it for four seconds, and then six, and then 12, and then moving on up to the point where you're, it's in your mouth, and you can just have it in your mouth like you would bubblegum, right? And taking that risk that you might inhale or swallow it. But again, how many times has that happened? Maybe that one time? Maybe that never time? But those would be some things that you can do about it. So everybody, this is the short in and out quick episode on compoundophobia. So please remember, everybody... Um, uh, if you have questions about this, if you have compoundophobia yourself and would like to share your story, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can go to the submit a question link. That's just going to be the way that you can contact me, put, put in some information there. Let me know what your experience was like. Let me know if I missed something. Let me know if I, I incorrectly or inaccurately portrayed some of this information. I want to try to make this uh, accurate. And if I did screw something up just royally, I will adjust that and I will make a correction and apology in a future episode. But if you want to share your story and feel comfortable, let me know your story. And I would love to have, I would love to share that on a future episode. Additionally, everybody in the Phobia Friday series, if you have a, have a specific phobia that you would like me to discuss, maybe in a future season of this, since this will be a, a, a short mini series, I'm only going to be doing six of these for now. But if you'd like me to share one in the future, uh, let me know. Go over to fearcastpodcast.com and let me know there, or you can, uh, I'll be advertising this on Instagram, you can let me know in the comments section of Instagram. All right, everybody. So please remember that the phobia, or the phobia Friday and the Fearcast are not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about therapy or are trying to get a little bit of extra help in your treatment and recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, go over to the find help link, and uh, there'll be some, uh, some tips and some help for you there. All right, everybody. Until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.